Welcome to the It's Going to Be Good podcast sponsored by Accrue. This is a place where Jill and I talk about how we are growing as individuals and how we're building a firm in a way that is healthy and sustainable. There's always more to learn, and we want to share what we have learned and what we're still learning. So, Jill, what are we talking about today? We are going to be talking about the idea of changing elevations, which is a very... uh corporate way of saying basically switching from a day-to-day perspective and focus to big picture perspective and work. The idea of this came about, um, you know, our recent podcasts around leadership retreats and things like that have, have been a really, like we've touched on this a little bit of, you know, talking about the big picture and the vision casting and what we're doing from like a high level versus being in the weeds in the day-to-day, making like actually serving clients, actually doing the grunt work or, or trench digging, um, as I heard it referred to recently. And, and just how as leaders, you have to be able to switch between those two and And also you have to be able to prioritize those two effectively, which is really challenging in an accounting firm. I think, I think it's hard for a lot of reasons. I think the, this concept of being able to switch between those two kinds of thinking is, is particularly challenging in that it's not something you learn. No one teaches you how to big picture plan, how to map out work, how to how to do any of that kind of stuff. And so I think the starting point of that being challenging is how would you know how to do that? How would you even know that you would need to do that? You only know you need to do it when you know something's not happening. So, Anna, I'm curious, like, when did you when do you feel like you started doing big picture planning for a crew? Not before you. That's not at all. That. Uh, really? I don't, did, th- no? I don't think so. I mean, I think oh. the most big picture planning I did, um, I had, I was working with a business consultant a little bit before you, and it felt like the smartest thing in the world to be like, oh, we're like a tech firm that happens to do accounting and to make like a cool website and a logo. That was like the biggest of pictures that I could have imagined. <laughs> I'm gonna have, I have I'm a gonna website. Come up with a name that's not my name to name the thing. So it's a thing thing and not just my thing. No, but I, it was very much probably like a lot of people that, you know, it was whatever's right in front of me is the thing I'm working on. You know, whatever problem comes up, you know, whatever day to day thing needs to get solved. I always admired people doing big picture planning. Like other people will talk about, the goals that they set and I would just quip like, oh my gosh, you guys are setting goals like proper business people. Look at you. (laughs) And you know, well, I think that's funny. I don't know if anybody else did. They, they laughed. We'll see, (laughs) you know, but (laughs) maybe it was a pity laugh. I don't know. You know, but I think in a way that was, that was almost like, let me make a joke about this to like brush over the fact that I am totally not doing this. Hmm. And not that I don't think it's important. I'm just not doing it. And I think almost certainly because planning isn't that fun by yourself. So I needed a planning buddy. (laughs) That's where I come in. (laughs) That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's an, that's an interesting idea that you hadn't quite like done that big idea. I think you did. You, but it was like in trickles maybe because you yeah. had some values that hadn't been like formalized in writing, but were very much colloquial at a crew when I joined. And yeah, I, th- I think you probably had some of that, but it was in like a, like a trickling stream as opposed to like an intentional effort to do that, <laughs> you know, right. like it just kind of happened by proxy of growing a firm, which is cool. Like that's cool that you can, you can kind of gain some of this without even trying. But once you realize that you need to do some big picture planning, it's hard to know where to start. And it's hard to prioritize it. Like you said, getting out of those day-to-day problems or, or like putting out fires constantly means that big picture planning feels impossible. It feels absolutely yes. impossible if you're constantly firefighting because big picture planning, this high elevation work is fire prevention. Like that's, right. that's essentially what it is, is, is you are doing the work on the front end to make sure that you have mapped out what can happen in the world, in your firm, in your, on your team, with your clients, whatever it is that you're mapping out, you can look ahead and, and plan and and make that plan functional for your firm in a way that I think um, 
failing to plan you or, or firefighting constantly, just tackling problems in your day-to-day firm prevents you from even feeling like it's an option. Yeah. But it also doesn't really feel like it's work. And so I think it's mm. hard to prioritize planning or thinking. We don't think that thinking is work. Yeah. And, and so much of the time now I, I, we get to a point where it's clear that we don't have exactly what we need to move things forward. And the only way that we're going to get that is for someone to take a step back and to actually look at, okay, where are we at? What is the next most important thing? You know, it's asking those kinds of questions like we did at, you know, our leadership retreat or like we've done, you know, in other, in other times, but it's easy to just do the most important thing. It's easy to, um, to not know what it even means to do planning. Like, like if I, if I put planning time on my calendar, what the crap am I doing during that hour that I said I'm going to be planning? Like what, what's the outcome at the end of that time? You know, like, whereas when you sit down and you're going to review a client's books or you're going to have a meeting to teach someone to do something or you're going to go through all your messages and make sure everyone's gotten a response. Like those feel like they have a a beginning, a middle and an end. I know what I'm going to get at the end of it. At, At the end of it, I'm going to feel a sense of accomplishment. Whereas this kind of nebulous, like, what does it mean to, to do strategic planning? It's like, I don't know, like you, do you need a whiteboard? Like it's like, can you do it by yourself? Do you need other people? Like it just, we don't really teach people how to do this. So Mm -mm, it's not, it's no wonder we don't do it. Well, and to your point, like if it doesn't feel like work, especially if you enjoy it, a lot of people will not enjoy it. And it also doesn't feel like work. That's a different problem. We happen to like it. (laughs) We like big picture planning. And so when it doesn't feel like work and you enjoy it, you kind of feel guilty doing it. And I, I think that's really hard to overcome because if you feel guilty about doing this because it's not real work, because it's not hard, it's fun and enjoyable, it starts to conflate what your role actually is. And you start prioritizing things that are urgent over things that are important. Yes. Well, and if you have it in your mind that this is not real work, and and I think maybe even just uh, connecting the dot here with with our last episode about the working genius, so much of this kind of planning is the like wonder invention discernment kind of piece of yeah. that. So if you assume the wonder invention discernment piece is not real work, and it's really only the maybe galvanizing, but just as the necessary evil to get to the enablement yeah. tenacity work, <laughs> just that someone has to have said to do it, you know, so, but yeah. just that even isn't real work. That's just to get us to the real work of enablement tenacity, then prioritizing that over enablement tenacity almost certainly means other people on your team are doing enablement tenacity work. So now you have the double guilt of, I'm not doing the real work and I'm giving the real work to somebody else to do while I do the not real fun stuff. Um, And so that like if you're any amount of a decent human being that actually cares about things like other humans and maybe how they think of you and whether you seem like someone that just (laughs) gives them all the crap work while you do the fun stuff. It, that's a struggle that, that, that Mm -hmm. really you have to wrestle with what is real work, you know, because there is that assumption that enablement tenacity is like the hard work or the real work or, or whatever, um, whatever words you want to put on it. But you don't know what enablement tenacity work to do or what is the most important or what is the most effective or what done actually means in any particular scenario. If you haven't done all that pre-work to ensure that we are doing the most important things and we are correctly prioritizing and everyone knows what I, I had a, <laughs> I shared with a client recently that we made a goal and, and I was like, this is going to sound like a dumb goal, but this is a real goal that we made. 
everyone knows what their job is and does it. And then we it did sounds it. ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it sounds so goal. stupid. <laughs> But I shared that because I was like, this is a goal you actually need in your company because part of the struggles that you're having are because not everyone knows what their job is and not everyone is doing it. So that's a good place to start. That's not a thing we would have even articulated without taking a step back and going, okay, some of the problems we're having right now. Or because not everyone Real knows basic. what their job is. <laughs> yeah. Not totally. everyone knows how to do it. How mm-hmm. do we solve for that? Well, and I think that to, to that point, and not to harp on this goal setting, because that's not what we're talking about here. But like when you make such a basic fundamental goal that feels so like simplistic like that, it feels like what are what am I even aiming? Like, how could this be my starting point? But I think when we try to be smart instead of wise, we'll make a way loftier goal than that and skip all the way over making sure your employees know what they're supposed to be doing and actually do it. Like, that is too fundamental to skip over. But if it makes us feel dumb and we skip over it from our ego or from our sense of wanting to feel more accomplished than actually be accomplished, if we prioritize the way that work makes us feel above the actual productivity that we are putting out, we will miss opportunities as leaders in businesses and as people who are driving their company forward, we will miss those opportunities. Yes. And I think it's so clear every time I've not planned enough or that we've we've not had enough time to map something out we get way more questions we get way we there's way more issues there's way more like back and forth (laughs) yes because we didn't think things all the way through on the front end or as through as we could have on the front end and so we end up just doing that work later and many more times over you know and the times where we have done it um i think one a great example is um mapping out our year end plan with what everyone needs to do and when by role so that everyone knows how all those pieces move and even in that we still got questions <laughs> we still, yeah you know but it Every year we've done more year-end planning and kept refining the plan. And every year since we, we made that a focus, it's gone smoother. We've had less issues. Like every year we do it, it gets better because we take that time to go, okay, we know that this is a problem. What can we do about it? None of that is the actual year-end close. None of that is the actual, like, delivering the reports to a client. Like, all of that happens in, like, fall and and winter ahead of year-end. But it's the kind of work that makes it so that everyone on the team knows what they need to do and they can do it, which was the goal that we set, that everyone knows their job and does it. You know, it is... So easy to assume that that kind of work isn't valuable because it's not doing. I think it's also easy to assume that the people who are doing the quote unquote real work are burdened Mm -hmm. by that, you know, and, and I've just gotten out of that burden. And so that is why I do love things like the working genius to go, no, there are people who love this kind of work and get joy and energy from it. I don't love that kind of work. I love other work that would drain and and not be enjoyable for those people. So being sure not to devalue or high value different kinds of work as though, you know, you're literally trench digging while I'm drinking cocktails and schmoozing. <laughs> cause you know, cause that's my role, right? Like that. No, that's no not fancy. Oh, geez. That's not what we're doing. <laughs> No, but I, I, this is a thing that I, I think, I don't remember where we got it, but but recently we've started to, to say this phrase that has been so helpful for me in reframing delegation, because I do often feel like if I don't want to do this and I'm delegating it because it's not the most important work for me to be doing and someone else could be doing it, I will feel guilty. 
regardless of whether that person likes it or doesn't, is good at it or isn't, I will feel guilty because I don't want to do it and I and I get my way, which is not that cool. <laughs> but like that, that's my internal struggle to wrestle with. But the phrase that we have continually circled back on that helps me is like my North Star when it comes to this is, this is too important to be done poorly by me. I would much rather delegate something that I would do poorly and is important to be done well to someone who will do it well. And that's not bad. That's not mean. That's not me being a bad boss. That's not me like delegating crummy work to the team. It's about finding the best person to do that kind of work and making sure that that person knows what finishing that work looks like and can do that. Like that is the real goal. Because I think if it gets too focused on me in the way that it makes me feel, then I'm missing the point. I mean, I've completely yes. lost the plot of the goal we're trying to accomplish here. If the goal is not getting accomplished by me continually holding on to a responsibility because I feel guilty delegating it, I'm going to fall short. And then that will be worse than if I had just delegated work I didn't want to do. <laughs> Yes. Yes. <laughs> but I think you hit on something that's really important there, which is um, paying more attention to how something makes us feel than whether it's a it's the right call, whether it's, you know, a smart choice or a wise choice. Because I think for a lot of us who either are of an age or were raised by people of an age, there's like this vibe of um, like not being too good for any kind of work, you know, not yes. being above it. Like I would pitch in and help wherever it's needed because I'm not the kind of leader that's like too good for doing, you know, certain types of work. And I remember way back in the olden days, uh, I worked uh, at Disney and and out in the parks, occasionally you would see managers, you'd know they were managers because they're wearing like business casual, but they've got a name tag on. And it mm -hmm. was part of the ethos, like you'd see them like picking up trash if, if there was a piece of trash on the ground. Oh, I and love I love that. that, you know, like they're not too good. Like we're all part of keeping the parks clean. No one is too good for that. And so there is something that feels very honorable and respectable about that. Salt and so, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. like I'd mow my own lawn. It's like, but, <laughs> but should I? And, and that's one that's really tough to wrestle with because yeah. I do feel that I don't want to be above anyone. You know, I, I don't see myself as being like better than them or, or that I'm too good to do any of this kind of work. The place where I can wrestle with that but get to the right answer is the way that we make decisions, which I really love. And we see it in, an, in a priority order of what is best for the company and our clients. We kind of view those as, as pretty much, uh, you know, same same weight to that. You know, is this, mm -hmm. is this what's best for the company? Is this what's best for our clients? And then below that, is this what's best for the team? And then below that is, is this what's best for me? Mm -hmm. And so is it what's best for the company for me to be doing work that there is someone else equally, if not more qualified to do, and I'm then not doing work that no one else on our team either has the skill set or the authority or the joy and energy from doing that kind of work, then I'm not bringing my best contributions to the company because I'm not properly prioritizing what I ought to be doing that would bring the most value. And so that's yeah. where I've really wrestled with that in a, no, it's not that I'm too good for that kind of work. It's that the company needs me to be doing a different kind of work. And if I'm not yeah. doing that, I'm not doing my job. Yes. Well, I have a great example of this. When we when we adopted our applicant tracking system for hiring, I remember I was tasked with doing the research of the platform. And so I had this grid on a document and I was looking at these platforms and I don't do research well. I'm not good <laughs> at it. I don't enjoy it. It looks like garbage. It, it was fine. It was adequate, I guess. And then we realized that someone else on the team, our HR person perfectly, <laughs> does enjoy that kind of work and is good at it and was happy to take on that project and had the capacity to do it. And so by the time we actually transferred that responsibility over to her, she came back with this 
stellar assessment of all the systems with a very clear indication of which direction we should go at the end. Whereas if I had continued holding on to that one, it would have been delivered late. Two, it would have been much less nice and much less thorough. And three, I would have been miserable the whole time I had to work on it. And say, this team member would have missed out on this opportunity to benefit the company in a way that is really impactful. That that was one of the best decisions that we've made as a company is, is uh, implementing that applicant tracking system. It's made a huge difference in the way that we hire. I'm, I'm so happy with it. But it wouldn't have happened the way that it did if I had continued to hold on to it out of what really is a sense of pride. It doesn't sound like it on the surface, but it really is a sense of pride if I had kept holding on to that. So I'm so grateful to work for a company that thinks much more strategically about this kind of thing than just like, well, it's your job, so do it. Like, okay, but like who ought to? <laughs> Maybe. Yes. Okay. That project, I still yeah. look back at that and gosh, because it yeah. was so it was so good. It was so good that at some point it was like, okay, you clearly looked into this. Let's shortcut this to which one do you think? Because yeah. this is so <laughs> thorough that I don't think I can go all the way on this journey with you. You clearly looked into it to a point where we can just shortcut and say, which one do you think? Because <laughs> yeah, so, you, you know, you know your stuff here. Yeah. And, and I think what that also did that is easy to overlook is that gave someone else an opportunity to shine. And mm -hmm. because like it was so crushed, then yes. that has led to more research opportunities because we now know this person likes doing it and mm -hmm. does an excellent job at it. And we yeah. will get something really great at the end of it that is so much better than what either of us would do. Like, Absolutely. you did more than I would have on the start of it. <laughs> I would have looked at like three things, been like, what does the website that look like? Pretty. How much does it cost? <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah. Does, it, does it connect with the other thing we do? Like, it yeah. just, it would have been so basic. Well, and, and that is what being on a team is about. It's about playing to your strengths. It's about being efficient and effective in the things that you do. And it's inefficient for me to try to force a square peg into a round hole. Now, that doesn't mean that I get to just be like, I'm bad at research. I never have to do it. Like, of course, I will still have to do research, but it will be a trudge for me. And I know that. So if someone else can do it, and if someone else maybe should do it, then someone else should do it. If I should do it, or if I, if I can do it and should do it, I absolutely will. And if someone could do it better than me, I don't need to have feelings about that. I can just celebrate that the goal we're trying to accomplish is going to be accomplished because it's not me. And I can yes. go accomplish a different goal. But I do think there's a challenge in this as well. So beyond just how we feel about ourselves, beyond what we feel about, you know, what real work might be versus what it what it isn't. I think as you, especially if you started in more technical roles, if you started with more kind of concrete responsibilities, as you start to move up in elevations and you need to move into more of a leadership role, you need to take on more responsibility in things like planning and, you know, projects and early, earlier phase in things, you don't... And, and I think we're both kind of in this boat right now. It's like, sorry, what is my job then? Like, what, yeah. it, what does a day look like? Like, yeah, what I'm exactly? Not trenches, what am I doing? <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. And so, so it, there is like a, a genuine, I don't know, like an existential crisis of like, what am yes. I even doing anymore? Is this even Maybe someone job? else should do my job. <laughs> What even is my job? Like we literally talked about, you know what? Next time we get together, we should uh we should pull out our job descriptions. What what do you, what do you think about that? How we we should we should maybe revisit what our jobs are now. This is, is going to be a great episode uh where we talk about how we don't know what our jobs are. Uh welcome to the podcast. What is our industry? <laughs> Something number. 
Something with numbers. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Hey, fellow business owners. We hope our podcast has given you some great ideas on how to elevate and grow your business. Maybe you've even started to implement some of those new ideas, but we know from experience that turning ideas into reality can feel overwhelming. That is where Polaris Leadership Consulting comes in, your partner in propelling your business forward. I'm thrilled to introduce you to our colleague, Phil, and his team at Polaris, who are experts in untangling the challenges of running your accounting firm. Imagine a smoother company culture, an effective and collaborative team, and yes, even a chance to actually enjoy a vacation without your phone constantly buzzing. Living the dream, right? Polaris specializes in helping you make those dreams a reality. Stop worrying about processes that break, missing deadlines, taking stress home with you, and always working on vacation. Polaris Leadership Consulting will help you transform your ideas and ambitions into manageable actions and guide you every step of the way toward building a healthy and sustainable firm. We've worked with Phil personally, and I can tell you that he will come alongside and be your partner in progress. He and his team are not just consultants. They're collaborators dedicated to your growth with a track record of turning struggling firms into success stories. Success isn't a destination. It's a journey. Polaris Leadership Consulting is here to navigate it with you. To find out more about Phil and his team, go to withpolaris.com or click the link in the show notes and start the conversation toward achieving your goals today. But but it, it does mean that there aren't the same rhythms as when you're doing a month end close. There aren't the same rhythms as when you're doing the same kind of work every day or every week so that you know exactly what done looks like. You know what doing a good job looks like. You know what it doesn't look like when you're not doing it. But it's really hard to know am I doing a good job as a leader? You know, like what's the metric of that? Like, how do I know whether today was an effective day or an ineffective day? Like, uh, what we're talking about here is, is taking time out of your day that you usually spend accomplishing a task that can get checked off and transferring that time into time to think. That's so hard not to feel weird about. <laughs> it's yeah. so hard not to feel weird about. I'm going to put time on my calendar to think. And, and as an employee, especially if you're, if you are working for someone, putting time on your calendar to think feels like pilfering time. Like it feels like you're right. stealing time from your employer and getting paid for nothing. But it's the thing that we, that we, when we get stuck in that trench digging mode that we miss out on is the benefit of all of that forethought. It's the benefit of that planning. It's the benefit of the pause, the step back and the perspective taking that, that really this big picture planning is all about. Yes. Okay. So let's get a little bit more practical with it because I think it's, we've, we've talked about why it's hard to make this shift. I think we've talked about why, like how it, it's struggle to feel like you ought to be doing that. It's struggle to make time to do that. It's hard to even know what that job is. I think we, we know that it matters because it's obvious when you don't plan, Mm -hmm. when you don't plan, things don't get executed well, you don't have good process, like things fall through the cracks. Like I think we've all seen the end result of when there isn't a plan. Like that's when there's chaos. That's when you are in that constant firefighting mode because all there is in front of you are problems because no one has done the work to prevent those problems that were absolutely avoidable. So Knowing that it matters and that it's the kind of thing we're going to need to do. And even though it's hard, like, how do you actually start making this shift into a role that is less about doing, less about being the one who does the thing and more about designing and delegating and empowering and, you know, 
deciding on things, but not actually being the doer of the thing. Yeah. Well, I think the easiest way to get this started is to identify your biggest fires. I think we started in that way, really, because what you're talking about is, you know, some of our first goals that we were setting formally being around, like everyone on the team knows what their job is and does it. Like that feels so simplistic, but we, those were the problems. Those were the fires we were putting out. And so I think it was the easiest starting point for us of like, okay, well then if people don't know what their job is, we need job descriptions. If people don't know what their responsibilities are, we need to clarify that. We need better systems and processes that tell people what they're supposed to do so that we can hold them accountable to that. Because you can't hold people accountable to an expectation that you didn't set, that you didn't make clear. And so our first order of business, once we realized that there were gaps like that, was to just clearly identify what done meant so that when it wasn't accomplished, we could just have that conversation. And it's obvious that that's what we're talking about. And and so I think I think starting with what fires am I constantly and consistently putting out? Yeah, I think that's such a great place to start. One of the other early goals that we had set that I'm that I'm thinking about connected to that is that in the first 90 days of a new team member starting at a crew, they would know and we would know that they should be here. That within 90 mm-hmm. days, it should be abundantly clear to everyone that you either ought to be here or that almost certainly you will opt out. Not that we've never had to opt someone out, but just that it is so clear that for the most part, if someone isn't a fit, they will opt themselves out because we have made the expectations so abundantly clear in that time frame that either they're like, yeah, I'm I'm on board. I am into this or like, ooh, this was like a whole thing. And I don't know if I want to do like this whole thing. So those are the kinds of goals that we had set because we took a step back and started going, what are the things we just keep doing that we could stop doing? Yes. And so I think that that's an interesting second step. I don't think I had quite conceptualized it in this way. You start with, here are the problems I keep putting putting out that are probably solvable permanently without me continuing to do this thing. So Problem identification is step one. Step two is, okay, so if I don't want this, what do I want instead? What do I want yes. this to look like? What do I want my team to do? What do I want my clients to do? What what am I what's the opposite of this that I'm actually looking for here? And then you you identify that and paint done, paint, paint what the perfect ideal scenario looks like. And then you have to figure out how to get there. How do I get from square zero to square one hundred? Because those are opposites and, and it's not so simple as like, well, now we have a goal that we'll know and they'll know in 90 days and that goal just is and so it's accomplished. No, sir. We had to absolutely implement systems to make that happen. So then you can actually start tackling the benchmarks to getting there. You can start tackling what would it take for my team to even know this information? What would it take for my clients to do this thing? Like what what will they need from me in order for this goal to be accomplished? Because that's essentially all you can control. So what can I do to help them and us all together collectively get to where we're going. And I think that identifying problems and then painting the perfect scenario is the starting point because you have that roadmap that you can start fleshing out from there and actually start solving the problem in practical ways. I think the 90-day intro period uh, sureness that we know they know that they belong here was one of those things where it's like, it's not immediately obvious what it would take to get there. So you kind of have to think creatively and collaboratively about, okay, so how would they know? How would they know they belong? How do we know? Like, what are the ways that we're assessing fit? How are we even doing this? And so things like, you know, intro period reviews, making sure that we're actually putting some data down on paper that says from multiple perspectives, us, the team, their peers, their supervisor, anyone who works with them, this is what it looks like to work with them so that we have data points that point to whether or not they're a good fit. You need data, you know, like, so, so Mm -hmm. even, even those two first steps of like, not that, but that I want, I want it to look like this. 
now what? <laughs> like that's right. the big picture planning that is challenging to make time for and, and put as a priority because it's hard. It's hard. Work. Well, and because no client is paying you for it, no yes. one is expecting it. If you don't do it, no one will care except or that no. everyone will care. They just don't know that that's why they care. They, <laughs> yes. they don't know what it could be like. They just know that it is this yes. way. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's easy to deprioritize those kinds of things because they don't put money in the bank. They, no one's going to ask about it, but it's also, these are the kinds of things that build a firm that is healthy and sustainable. Like if you want to get out of your own way, if you mm -hmm. want to be able to take a vacation, then everyone else has to know what their job is and do it. You know, mm -hmm. it's those those really basic kinds of things that that almost sound so dumb that like, why would that ever be a, a legitimate goal that someone made? <laughs> yes. Or but, a priority. Like, how could you prioritize something that baseline? It's like, well, you must in order Because to if that isn't might. what's happening, then that needs to be the priority. We can do smarter stuff <laughs> when we've got the dumb stuff handled. Yes, absolutely. And reality is our friend. What are we going to do about it is the only thing you can control. You can't just magically wish for things to be different and have them be different. You know, it, this is the real world. And we're talking about humans who build habits and patterns, and that's hard to break. And so if you're going to implement change management in your team or in your company or in your firm, you have to be willing to push up your sleeves and, and get into the weeds with your team and do the dirty work of undoing the bad habits you've let occur, let, let be created that you've created yourself. Like there's, there's a lot of unlearning and undoing in this process. I think that is not, it can't, can't be overstated how, how challenging it is to kind of get out of your own way. And I think some of that is ego. I think some of it is like, well, I want to feel like I'm doing more than just <laughs> telling my team what their job is. Like, I would like to be doing bigger stuff than that. I would like to be working on stuff that feels more important than this. And this doesn't yes. feel important. But the thing is, it's not really about you. If you want, like, and it is, you know, self, you can make it selfish. I want to take a vacation. I want to not be terrified of getting sick and being out for days against my will. You know, like those are the kinds of things that business owners and entrepreneurs wrestle with. It's like, how could I be out? I couldn't possibly get sick. Well, sometimes you don't have a choice. What are you going to do when that happens? You've got to figure out what you're, how you're going to handle that. And so these baseline things that we're talking about, as simplistic as they sound, are the framework that you have to have built in order to start doing the bigger picture, lofty, strategic vision casting stuff. So even, even thinking about this concept and thinking you're going to start real baseline, that's okay. That's a great place to start. As you continue doing it, as you continue getting reps in, you get to do more and more big picture, more and more strategic, more and more high level, more and more creative, and more and more pushing toward a different goal than just my company works. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. But I, I do think that I think you're right. I think there's ego not uh, in in wanting to feel like if we're going to be working on something, it sounds super smart to other people. If we're going yeah. to set a, a goal or if we're going to make a plan for something that we're going to improve in the firm. It's going to be like, we're launching this new service or like we're using this new app or we're doing this super cool thing. Like we all love to talk about the bright, shiny thing, especially when if you go to a conference or talk to other firm owners, like we all kind of love that like humble brag. Like, I mean, it's no big deal. We're just doing this whole new line of business. Um, it's pretty awesome, but you know, no, no, no big thing. And we just really leaned into like, I'd rather sound dumb and have the firm I want than sound smart and have a firm I hate. Yes. 
Well, and not just the firm you want, but like the firm that allows you to have the life that you want too. Because if your firm is all consuming, if your job is all consuming, you don't get to take vacation properly. You don't get to spend time with your family when you clock out at the end of the day. You spend time half with your family and half still thinking about work stuff. You know, like that's the burden of entrepreneurship that does not have to continue being. It is inevitable as part of the process of starting a business, I think, to some extent. But at a certain point, you get to a stage where that's not necessary for things to function. But you do have to be willing to drop some of the ego. You do have to be willing to sound dumb. You do have to be willing to be humble in ways that might feel uncomfortable if you're going to get past that point where that's your focus. Yes. And I think it's making time to just sit and kind of ask yourself, what do I want my firm to look like? What do I want my life to look like? How do I want that to balance with the work that I do so that I don't want to flip the table and no one else does so that Mm -hmm. as much as possible, we have a great team where people are sitting in the right seats. They're doing work that they enjoy and they find meaning in. I'm sitting in the seat that I'm best suited for. And I want to introduce the idea of like, if this kind of big picture planning is not your primary skill set is not your working genius or your natural bend and you happen to be the leader of your firm or the leader of your um of your team or whatever um position you're in where that might be something that's needed it's not as though you have to turn into a different person to be the right person in that role you're gonna need some help you're gonna need to figure that out yeah yeah to fill those gaps Right. And I think for myself, I very much enjoy planning. I don't like doing it alone. Mm -hmm. And I don't like doing it. it, it, This sounds dumb. It's not like I want everyone to clap for me, but I don't like doing (laughs) it if no one will notice. You know, like I want to do it for something like I will. I will plan for a meeting that then we have the meeting, you know, Mm -hmm. like that feels good because it's like, Hey, I made the time to make a plan. I mapped out an agenda and then we all met. And so there was kind of that like plan and then payoff of the plan. Like there's, Mm -hmm. you know, there's someone I'm doing this for. And so knowing that about myself, being aware of the fact that like, if, if all I do is plan and no one notices, I, I won't do it. I'll just, I'll do something else because it was in front of me or shiny or something. And so I need the combination of like, there's something to plan. And then there's an expectation that I did. I need Mm -hmm. someone to be accountable to, to ensure that they actually do that thing. Okay. So know this about myself. And then I can structure things in a way that that's the case that like, you know, we're going to have a leadership team meeting. It's my responsibility to map out the agenda. Well, the meeting's next week, so I better plan some time and map out the agenda. It's happening either way. And I will not like the person I show up as if I drop the ball on that planning and then just make a joke about it. (laughs) Because that would be easy, but that would not be the leader that I want to be. So if this kind of if a certain elevation isn't the best place for you i think this is why in in a lot of tech companies the people who start the company end up not being the ceo they end up mm-hmm. being like the cto or in some other role because it's actually not their skill set yeah. and so maybe this is something where you need to pull some other people in to help you in your gaps or like the way that we work together like i can I can come up with ideas, but I need you to discern them to know whether we should move forward with them. So like no one's going to do all of this alone or be good at all of the things alone, but figuring out where you're, where you're going to bring the best value, knowing that this kind of, that sitting at the elevation of doing high level planning of, of seeing what's further down the road of making sure that we're equipped for where we're going, that we are in fact going somewhere and that we're making <laughs> we progress where that is. <laughs> towards that point that we've mapped anywhere worth going versus just more, I guess, 
which people used to ask me like, you know, what's your goal for this year? And I'll, I would always answer like, I didn't think I'd get this far. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a hilarious joke. Not that helpful. <laughs> it's all gravy. Like, I don't know. I didn't even think I'd get this far. So, oh, that's funny. Yeah. So, so maybe this is going to be a struggle, not because, you know, it's work that you love and you just feel bad about it. Maybe it's going to be a struggle because it's work that you don't love, but it yes. needs to be done. So whether it's you doing the planning, whether it's you getting someone to come alongside who's good at planning, you know, whatever the case is, I think as a leader, you're still responsible to ensure that there is a plan whether or not you're the one who literally made it, there needs to be a plan and that is your responsibility as a leader. So figuring yeah. out how that happens, whether it's you, whether it's other people, whether it's some combination of those things, knowing that the people on your team are looking to you to say, hey boss, where are we going? You know, And yeah. if you're like, I don't know, I didn't think we'd get this far, that's not a really <laughs> inspiring <laughs> message. I think, um... You know, to, to your point and, and on the flip side of that, you know, like I, I bring that discernment, which is so fun for me, but I cannot come up with the ideas that you come up with. I can come up with some ideas. My ideation skills are narrow and shallow. <laughs> They're not that great. So like I can do it. It will be draining. It will be challenging for me to do. It will be challenging for me to prioritize and it will come up with a less optimal result. And so you sitting in that ideation seat and me sitting in that uh, discernment seat is great. But what happens if you're a solopreneur or if you have a team of all enablement and tenacity people who are just ready to go do the bookkeeping and you've got maybe wonder, like, oh, I wonder what we could do better. And then the end. <laughs> like the, I think one of the best places to fill your gaps, especially if your gaps are in that um, invent, in that wonder, I think you can lean on your team because they see the gaps in your firm. They see you the holes in the in the way that you guys operate. But when it comes to the like ideation or the discernment. I think it's really helpful to pull someone in who you know is for you and has an external perspective. So, you know, whether that's a business coach who can help you ideate or a business coach who can help you discern whether your ideas are great or not, or a family member or like a partner or, you know, even a team member who's a really good complement to your skill set. I think that's one of the best ways to really like fill out your gaps so that you can start doing this stuff sooner than you even feel ready because you won't feel ready when you start you just have to start like that's yeah that's the key to some of this stuff is you just kind of have to do it figure out what works figure out what doesn't and then adjust from there but like starting is the hardest and most important part of this kind of big picture planning so whether you feel like you're you know, lost at sea, or you know exactly what big picture planning means to you, it doesn't really matter. Just do it. Like just, just take some time, sit down, do it, figure out what's working, figure out what's not, and then see what you can make happen from there. Because it's really about figuring out like what you can do today to take you to where you want to go tomorrow. I think that's exactly right. And and just starting is is the kind of thing I think we all hear and go, yeah, I should yeah, just start. Sure. I, I should totally <laughs> just do that. So should. should. It should is the killer of so yeah. many things. Don't should yourself to death. <laughs> don't, don't should on this. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, one, one thing that's super practical that I think you could implement today is at the very beginning of your week, first thing, take 30 minutes, put it on your calendar that I'm going to do weekly planning. I'm going to map out my week. I'm going to decide in advance of this week what my top two, top three priorities are. I'm going to look at the calendar and I'm going to ensure that there is time set aside to meet those priorities. So whether it's, you know, your top priority is, hey, we got a leadership team meeting coming up. You need to make an agenda for that. Okay, then is there a spot on my calendar for when I'm going to do that? And I'm sure in future episodes, we'll talk about calendar blocking and other things that that we tend to do and equip team members with. But just that starting point of 
I'm going to look at this week. I'm going to plan myself. I'm Before I plan for anyone else, before I plan for the company, I'm going to make a plan for myself and my time. I'm going to be the manager of me and ensure that I look at this week with intention and that I have certain things I want to accomplish because that that does combat that feeling of what even is my job? Yeah. What even am I doing? If you have some some high level objectives that you could accomplish within a week. And so you have to kind of think about, well, what could I actually get done this week? Knowing what else is on your plate, knowing what else you're responsible for, what could I reasonably make progress on? And, and knowing also, the things that aren't on your plate will pop up that you did not expect. <laughs> yes. <laughs> also planning for some unexpected. Yeah. You know, but but what do is should this be me even doing this? You know, it's it's making space for that. I think that's exactly right. I think the the ideas that we're talking about here can be broken down into something so simple as just what at, if at the end of this week, I feel like I did a good job, what even is that? Like, what could I finish by the end of this week that would make me feel like I showed up as the leader I wanted to be, as the employee I wanted to be, or as the driver of progress that I wanted to be? What even is progress for me this week? And then expanding from there, I think that's a like a really lovely and manageable starting point for people because it is hard to be talking about like that 10,000 foot elevator and make sure you take a step back and do big picture planning and vision casting. And like, what even is that? If you can start in a really small and manageable way, I think it starts to feel like it is something you could do on a bigger scale, the more reps you get in. And that's where the just start really comes in is, is just start in a, in a thing that won't make you feel like you failed. (laughs) Like start the thing, you know, you can do today start small and then expand from there, um, I think is is such a great way to start doing this kind of thing for sure. So to recap, if you are only ever looking at the present or what is immediately in front of you or the fire you are currently putting out and not back, not looking backwards to learn from what you've done and not looking ahead to plan what you plan to do or what you are going to do. You will miss out on a lot of learning that will inform how you want to move forward in your company. So we cannot emphasize that enough, how important it is to to take steps back, to pause and to, to plan in your company, whether that is planning for your week just for you or vision casting for your entire company. It really doesn't matter. It's really about taking the priorities of making a plan and keeping that at the forefront of how you see your role. Thank you for joining us. We hope you'll keep tuning in as we share how we are building a firm worth building. It's going to be good.